Taiwan reported two more imported COVID cases on Monday. Both were asymptomatic upon entering Taiwan. They later developed symptoms during their mandatory quarantine. One case was a student in her 20s who had returned to Taiwan from France. The other case was a Taiwanese flight attendant employed by an airline based in Dubai in the UAE. She had been in home quarantine for the two days prior to showing symptoms, meaning she did not put anyone at risk of infection. The coronavirus can survive on certain types of surfaces for much longer than originally thought, according to a study from Australia's National Science Research Agency. The study showed that at room temperature of 20 degrees Celsius, the virus can live on mobile phones and banknotes for up to 28 days. That's more than a week longer than the flu virus. Tap, scroll and swipe. High-touch surfaces like phones, banknotes and coins are crawling with germs. Without routine sanitation, they can become risky transmission vectors. According to an Australian study, the coronavirus can survive and stay infectious on such surfaces for 28 days. In a normal environment, viruses that can survive more than two or three days are already considered to be very strong. If the virus is still alive when you touch it, you could get infected. Lab results show that the coronavirus can survive at room temperature for 28 days. That compares with 17 days survival for seasonal flu viruses. According to a study done in Japan, the coronavirus can live on human skin for 9 hours compared to the 1.8 hours recorded for seasonal flu. The COVID virus survives the longest on smooth surfaces like glass and stainless steel. Actually, there have been studies done before that showed some viruses surviving for a very long time too. But such studies are all done in a protected environment. You could say researchers were looking to approximate the upper bound. After some time, the death rate for people with COVID will go down. There are several reasons for that. One, of course, is the experience accrued for dealing with it. Two, we will be able to diagnose it faster and we'll have the drugs to treat it. There's also the fact that the virus and humans will acclimate to each other. The Australian study found that at temperatures beyond 40 degrees, the virus loses its viability in just 24 hours. But doctors say that the best way to deactivate a virus is still to sanitize frequently touched surfaces so that you don't become infected by viruses on your phone. Over the weekend, a KMT lawmaker raised a sensitive question. Should the KMT change its Chinese language name? KMT legislator Lin Weizhou said that the word Zongguo, which means China, should be removed from the name because they create confusion on what the party stands for. Reactions to his question are now coming in from across party ranks. Let's see what they're saying. KMT caucus whip and chief of its policy committee, Lin, put it out there on Facebook. What if the KMT changed its Chinese name by removing the words Zhongguo, which means China? The proposal is meeting stiff opposition from within. This is not an issue listed on the party reform agenda, so there is no need to discuss it. There's no way the committee can handle such a big issue tossed out like this with no prior notice. Would deleting those words convince young people to give you their vote? I'll be frank, I don't believe it would. Of course it should not be done. I firmly oppose it, now and for the rest of time. It is the history of the KMT. It's a chorus of opposition from lawmakers and a former president. KMT chairman Johnny Chang took to the front line with the party's official view. Changing our name is not an item on a list of reforms. 
the greatest consensus within our party is most likely that we need to exercise oversight over the DPP. You get pinned with a scarlet letter. They call you a Chinese party. So do we need a new name? Let's all discuss it. I raised the topic for discussion. We believe we should change China to Republic of China. Why not use Republic of China? It would eliminate misunderstandings. Lin moved to put out the fire on Monday as the issue threatened to widen party divisions. One KMT councillor in Tainan said he's in favor of a name change. We often draw too close to China, so how can we give people a good impression of the KMT? I agree with Lin Weizhou's idea of removing the two words that mean China. It's an internal reckoning that's once more spilled into public view. Over the course of its history, the KMT has changed its name several times. In recent years, its election losses have invariably been followed by calls for a new name. Former President Li Denghui once proposed that former legislative speaker Wang Jingping create a separate party altogether called the Taiwan KMT. Now in 2020, legislator Lin has brought back the question of a name change. But judging by the reactions within the party, the likelihood of progress on the issue seems slim. President Tsai Ing-wen received the representative of Somaliland on Monday. In her remarks at the reception, Tsai said she hoped the two sides would remain strong partners in the international arena. Our new friend Somaliland is a model of democracy in Africa. In the future, our respective representative offices will work to launch various cooperation projects, promote exchanges in many areas, and deepen the friendship between our peoples. Two countries share many historic and strategic affinities. We both managed to overcome the negative effect of the unfortunate international isolation that the future Somaliland relations with other countries should be based on maximizing trade and investment potential rather than aid dependency. Somaliland has vast and tough economic potential, and the countries are slowly working up to this fact. My government is welcoming giant Taiwanese companies to come invest and trade with Somaliland. Earlier this year, Taiwan and the self-declared African state established representative offices in each other's capital and signed a partnership agreement. Over the weekend, Somaliland's envoy attended Taiwan's National Day celebration for the first time. Taiwan's newest internet sensation reported to the legislative yuan to take questions on Monday. This was none other than Deputy Economics Minister Chen Zhengqi, whose animated facial expressions have been turned into a viral meme. Internet users have nicknamed him Woody because of his likeness to the Toy Story character. Despite his newfound internet fame, Chen was all business at the legislature. <laughs> Deputy Economics Chen reported to the legislature's Foreign and National Defense Committee for questioning on Monday. He tried to keep a low profile but was still called out by a lawmaker over his newfound internet fame. The lawmakers lightened the mood of the interpolation session, but things got serious when talk turned to Taiwan's trade relations with the UK after Brexit. Chen and a deputy foreign minister fielded questions from lawmakers. After joining the EU, the UK was included in many free trade agreements. Now the UK's main job is to deal with the tariffs of all the countries it used to have free trade agreements with through the EU. Its priority is to lower those tariffs. 
This is a way for it to stay as it was before. It's a measure to maintain the status quo. I think right now must be a very good opportunity for Taiwan and the UK to sign a trade agreement. A deputy ministerial dialogue between Taiwan and the UK is to start soon via teleconference. In these meetings, we can pursue opportunities for upgrading Taiwan-UK relations. Besides international trade, the government's mask requisition program was another topic of the day. KMT lawmaker Yang Chongying said that in May, the requisition program produced masks that were missing a critical layer of non-woven fabric. The lawmaker demanded answers, and Chen took each question head on. It was just another day at the Legislative Yuan, although with more fanfare than usual thanks to his internet fame. From medicine to AI, universities that offer students work experience with industrial partners are more and more in demand. Let's take a look at how students in medicine and AI are getting into their chosen fields early. Song Tingyi is a student at Taipei Medical University. Here, she's carrying out tests to help develop a drug for cancer. In 2014, the university began its PhD program in drug research and development. With a shakeup of modules, expert guidance, and an orientation toward industry, it provides a solid base and practical introduction to core skills for doctoral-level talent. So I will join the team, and I hope one day I will work in Lotus. Yeah, that's great. For Lotus, uh, besides, because this is more like a social social responsibility for us to somehow pass on our knowledge and uh, hopefully excite uh, these uh, young students for, for their career development going forward. The college secured a professional internship with this pharmaceutical firm, which gives PhD students like Ms. Sung a direct route into the realities of the industry. This smart transporter was developed at Zhengshou University. Its movements are guided by QR codes rather than the traditional gantry. The transporter automatically tips its cargo into the loading bay. Hong Junyan, who runs a business from home shipping aerospace sheet metal and gears, can hardly believe some of the applications of AI. Of course, the most obvious thing is the AGVs, automatic guided vehicles. When you want to take the product from the production line to the shipping area, if we build this AGV system in, we don't need to spend human labor on the transport, and we can reduce safety problems. In 2018, the university established its high-value fastener production system educational factory with a local manufacturer. The Internet of Things, Big Data and AI are all in its vision to innovate and upgrade the sector, bringing old and new industry together. Taiwan researchers have invented a fiber that's five times stronger than steel. The new fiber is lightweight and resistant to high temperatures and chemical corrosion. Its developers at National Synchrotron Radiation Research Center and a textile corporation say the synthetic fiber has applications in a number of industries, from automobiles to aerospace. Let's hear from one textile researcher. This kind of fiber may look very thin, but it's five times stronger than steel with only one-fifth of the density. It's very lightweight. In terms of clothing, it can be made into a bulletproof vest. 
In the future, the new fibre can be used in items such as tyres, chassis, light aircraft, suspension ropes for large machinery and submarine cables. Taiwan is currently the fourth largest producer of man-made fibres. It's now looking to gain a foothold in the high-performance ultra-strong textile market, which is dominated by the US and Japan. Coming up soon for Taichung's music lovers, the Wufang Democracy Lawn Concert. This year, the open-air event features the classics of mid-20th century Taiwanese music, as well as popular folk tunes. Violins and cellos play a traditional Taiwanese folk song to launch the run-up to Taichung's Wufang Democracy Lawn Concert. This year, for the first time, the concert is funded by the Ministry of Culture and hosted by National Taiwan Symphony Orchestra. As part of the Taiwan Culture Day program, the concert commemorates the founding of the Taiwanese Cultural Association 99 years ago on October 17th by historic figures Lin Xientang and Jiang Weishui. The concert will be held on October 17th on Democracy Lawn at the Legislative Yuan Democratic Park. National Taiwan Symphony Orchestra will play a series of folk songs connected to Taiwan Culture Day. We want to give the people of central Taiwan a great musical feast. The program is made up of classic folk songs from half a century ago, rearranged for today. We'll play many important representative pieces from 1920 to 1970, including 18 Maidens and Shoujugan. We'll also share many Taiwanese folk tunes with the audience. Now in its fifth year, the Wufeng Democracy Lawn Concert takes place on October 17th. Taiwan's pet population continues to expand, with pet care services in ever higher demand. But experts say restrictive laws on accepting payment for pet care are adding unnecessary complications. They're calling for new legislation that will legalize professional home pet care. Petminders are constantly at hand and playing with these lucky dogs. Safety rails keep them from running amok. The dogs are fed snacks, exercised appropriately, and there's always someone to pick up their doo-doos. There are over a hundred pet hotels like this one in Taipei. Inspected twice annually, the standards are very high. All our pet minders have to take an animal behavior class. We also send them to do an internship in an animal hospital very intensively for three months to learn about veterinary medicine. The Interior Ministry and Council of Agriculture predict that Taiwan's populations of pets and children under 16 will converge on the same number before the end of 2020. The demand for pet hotels and home pet care services is growing, but current legislation prohibits private home pet minders from getting paid. Cats can't go outside alone. Lots of cat owners probably understand how painful it is for cats physically when their owners go away. It's a problem, so there's a need for home pet care. If I go away for work and I ask my friend to take care of my fur baby, I could be fined up to 3 million NT. As pets get more and more numerous, internationally there are many digital platforms catering to them. But here, you could very easily end up on the wrong side of the law. If a platform is purely accepting payments that are for the user's participation, payments made by the users for the platform service, then that would not fall under the category of specified regulated animal professionals. Labyrinthine pet care laws can seem mystifying. Professionals are calling for professional certification courses and licenses for home pet care providers. They hope a law targeted at this issue will let them do their work better and more safely. <laughs> 